Welcome to Wandering Mind, an audio tour of some of the most amazing holiday destinations you can possibly imagine. I'm your host, Hope Faulkner, and I'll be bringing you all the information you need to plan the holiday of a lifetime. I'll tell you about all the big tourist attractions and let you in on the secrets locals love. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. So let's go on holiday. Today's destination, Gloth. You may remember that I went a little off-piste last episode. I was late home from Trebo, but only because I went exploring in Phaos. And I did clear it with the boss first, even if I wasn't sure he was actually paying attention. Trouble is, though, I didn't clear it with Tim, who books my trips for me, and he was worried. So I'm sort of grounded until I can sweet-talk him into booking me somewhere nice again and we were still one episode short of our planned season. But that's okay, because I managed to convince the boss that staycations are all the rage at the moment, so this episode is coming to you from the far-flung and exotic location of... Gloth. Mind you, I suppose it probably is a bit interesting if you don't live here. Gloth is, depending on who you ask, either a large town or a small city, located near the middle of Raffor. The continent of Herith has a great many striking attractions and unique geographical features, of course, not many of which are found in Gloth. But if you're looking for a more mildly exciting holiday, there are still plenty of things here to do. I've just got to get myself into the tourist mindset and find them. First things first, to get here you can fly into Greftai Airport or take a train directly from Egren or Okar. There's also a local bus service and, of course, the tandem taxis are here to get you from A to B while you're in town. Once you're here, I recommend that you stop into the Wandering Mind Travel Agency, which has its shop front in Gloth Town Centre. Well, sort of in the town centre. It's only a couple of streets out from the high street anyway. Stop by and say hi to Tim and Loria, who handle all the bookings here. I'm sure they'd be really pleased to hear from our listeners. More importantly for you, they're both fonts of information, and can recommend upcoming events and exhibitions. Obviously I'm going to try to tell you about the best of the permanent fixtures here, but things do come and go as well, so it's always worth checking in with the travel agency. And Wandering Mind, of course, is one of the best. Not that I'm biased at all. Right, venturing out, what is there to do around here? Well, since I moved here, my favourite thing to do with my time off has been to go and lounge around in the sun in Trim Park. It's lovely when it gets a little colder in the autumn too, and there are plenty of good hiding places for snowball fights when the time comes around for that sort of thing. Not that I've been making dastardly plans or anything. Anyway, at this time of year it's pretty warm, so I'd recommend taking a beach towel or a picnic blanket and your favourite book, and just enjoying the outdoors for a bit. The park is massive, so there's plenty of room, it rarely feels crowded, even on the warmest days. On Monday and Friday afternoons, there's usually a band playing in the bandstand. I thought that would be a summer-only thing, but the conductor, Elsa Kroesch, was quite offended by that idea. Apparently, any brass band worth its salt plays in all weathers, because its members are that dedicated. And Gloff's band does indeed play in all weathers. They're pretty good, too, and they take requests with a few weeks' notice. If you've enjoyed the scenery in the park, your next stop should probably be Gloff's Botanical Gardens. They're a short bus ride out of town, but once you arrive you'll be rewarded with the sight and scent of the most beautiful blooms in Raffle. 
The curators of the gardens have gathered a vast array of flowers, shrubs and trees from all over the world, and the three enormous greenhouses at their heart are filled to bursting with plants from warmer climes. There's also a small petting zoo, so if you're travelling with kids, you can expect to spend at least an hour with the goats, sheep and... Do you know what? I've actually been here before, and I didn't realise the petting zoo had water ponies. If you've never seen one before, they're small amphibious horses that generally live along rivers and coastlines. They're quite shy in the wild, but the ones at the botanical gardens come from a long line of hand-reared water ponies, and absolutely love being fussed over. It's a wonderful chance to experience the unique texture of their coats. Both fluffy and waterproof, I can really only compare it to touching the end of a loose bundle of fibre-optic cables, if you've ever done that. It's sort of tingly and not as greasy feeling as, for example, wool. And it's very, very soft. When they emerge from the water, the ponies have a tendency to shake their hair out, so if they're in the pond when you arrive at the petting zoo, you may get wet. The majority of the botanical gardens, however, is dedicated to, well, botany. Besides the huge greenhouses, which contain tropical plants from all over the world, there are also various traditional formal gardens and, well marked with warning signs, a poison garden. The toxic plants in there are strictly not to be touched, but they'd make any old-time healer or poisoner very happy indeed. And, naturally, there's also a herb garden, full of medicinal plants and, of course, some favourite seasonings you'll recognise from your kitchen. If you're into plants, I'd plan to spend a whole day here. Another local attraction you might find interesting is Smoybrough Castle, about an hour's travel by coach from the centre of Glough. Smoybrough itself is a very small town, located a little further south, but its 300-year-old castle is worth a look. Set within the remaining walls of at least three older castles on the site, it was built by a rich eccentric to show off some traditional building techniques, and it has a fair few of the little quirks that creep in when a rich eccentric builds a castle. Secret doors, hidden rooms, and brickwork painted to resemble the skin of a giant lizard are just a few of the weird things you'll find in the castle. As a Smoybrough native myself, I spent a lot of time exploring the castle as a child, and there was always plenty to discover on each new visit. For adults, there's plenty of art. For kids, there's no end of places to hide and play. And, of course, the grounds make for a lovely picnic area. Back in Glough, you can also take a walking tour of the town, or, for a more colourful look around, you can join the Glough Ghost Tour. This is also a fairly reliable way to get to know where all the local pubs are, because most of them claim a haunting or two. Wear comfy shoes and dress appropriately for the weather, because it's about an hour-long tour which ends at the Fat and Foul pub. If you happen to go on a Thursday, the guides try to finish up in time for pub quiz night at the Foul, which is worth chancing your arm at. I popped in there the other week with a couple of friends and we came, well, seventh out of eight teams. But we had a lot of fun and that's what counts. Other attractions in Glough include the local shopping centre, which local teenagers will tell you is rubbish but which is actually quite good, and the leisure complex which boasts a swimming pool, a gym and a large outdoor space where various sports are played, depending on the season. I think at the moment it's mostly stealth ball, which I'm not sure is actually played outside of Raffle. Which, frankly, means the world is missing out. What you do is, you have two teams, and each of those teams has a goal, obviously, and you try to get the ball into the goal. But, and this is what makes it really clever, you can hide the ball. Up your jumper, or in a tree, or in the stands, anywhere really. 
the whole game is about trying to misdirect the other team so that one of you can slip away and get the ball back from where it's hidden, then pop it in the goal while they're not looking. It's also pretty hard getting away with hiding it in the first place, and sometimes the other team will pretend they haven't seen you hide it, and then one of them will sneak back and get the ball. I say two teams. I've seen it played with up to five teams, but you do need a referee for each goal, and a goal for each team. It gets a bit chaotic, and there's no sort of formal league to participate in, but it's a lot of fun. There are never many spectators, because everyone wants to get involved. Speaking of spectacles, it's also worth visiting the enormous stone water pony that stands on the hillside overlooking Gloth. It's about 12 feet tall, and although it looks ancient, it was only constructed 23 years ago. Its mane and tail are actually made of water, thanks to the fountains built into it, and it was built in the knowledge that eventually, that water would wear away the pony to nothing, or at least until it was unrecognisable. The sculptor, Asta Torrenson, wanted to create something akin to the castles and animals people build from sand on the beach, fleeting artworks soon taken by the tide. 23 years on, though, it still looks pretty good, although the pumps have had to be repaired a couple of times. Gloff is our last destination of the series. We've sort of used up the marketing budget for the travel agency, but we'll be back next year with new episodes on locations. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Hope Faulkner for Wandering Mind, and before you know it, it'll be time for another adventure. Safe travels! Wandering Mind is written and performed by Eleanor Musgrove, with music from purpleplanet.com. For exclusive extras, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wanderingpodcast. Or to find show notes, transcripts, and links to our merch shop, visit wanderingmindpodcast.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>